What are the most amazing running and hiking routes in the world? Who did them and how fast? Welcome to the exciting new world of fastest known time, commonly known as FKTs. This podcast is produced by fastestknowntime.com, a website where you find out what's new and cool, plus track FKT efforts taking place right now. On this podcast, we'll meet the remarkable athletes who have established some of the best FKTs, ask them how they did it, and find out what it means to them. And we won't waste any of your time. The Fastest Known Podcast delivers great info to you in just 30 minutes so you can get back to your run, which of course is more important. Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast. Today our guest is Jim Walmsley, who is a well-known, very fast ultra runner. He's won Lake Sonoma and Speed Goat. He was fifth at UTMB, and at Western States 100, he converted a famous wrong turn two years ago into a fabulous course record just this year. Welcome, Jim. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, and then just this Monday, you did something really fun, the rim-to-rim-to-rim alt. You went down the Bass Trail and went across the Colorado River and up the North Bass Trail. Actually, I got that backwards. You went down the North Bass, up the South, back down across the Colorado River and up to the uh, trailhead of the North Bass River in a very good time of 12 hours. I, I, and think, I think you had it right the first time. Uh, we started on South Bass. You did. Well, I got that mixed up. Well, yeah. here's this. Because otherwise, it's a long drive around to uh, Swamp Point and... In the winter, there's a good amount of snow up there, so uh, trying to avoid that. You're right. You're right. I've been there twice, and both times uh, went from the south rim as well. Good correction. So on that topic, well, give us a quick heads up on what this is, because everyone knows rim to rim to rim, you especially, since you have the FKT on that. So what's how is this different, or just describe this. Yeah, so this one um, is going to be – the alternative rim to rim to rim, uh, as you've named it, uh, you're kind of one of the founders and pioneers of this route, but it's really aesthetic because it's the only other trail that goes from the South rim all the way to the North rim on a continuous trail. Um, but the catch being, uh, it doesn't have a bridge or any real means to get across the river like the Kaibab trail has where you run across the black bridge. So this one, you got to bring gear down with you and um, kind of figure out a way to psych yourself up to get across the river. Um, <laughs> and then, and then the, the trail itself is just completely different. Um, there are sections that are great and they're runnable, but for the most part, you're running through creek beds, you're bushwhacking, you're looking for Karens. I think we we just constantly had an ongoing joke during the day. Um, or, or I guess I'll preference this as well as, uh, so you did it with uh, Peter Backwin and Charles... Uh, Corfield. Charles Corfield, okay. Um, in 2014 originally. And so we did it as a group as well. So it ended up being myself, Tim Frericks, and Eric Sensman that kind of embarked on this journey. So when I say we, um, it'll be the three of us that are kind of the the three that set out to do it. Um, we also had Jamil Curry ran from the South Rim down with us to help kind of just document it. He thought it was a really cool idea and wanted to help 
tell that story. And then we also had Chris Thornley uh, hike down in the dark. Um, he's the guy on the safety boat across the American River during Western States. And uh, I guess in the ultra running world, um, a lot of people know his brother, Craig Thornley, who's the RD for Western States. So, so, he, so he's, uh, seen you, he's seen you swim before. He, he has seen me, yeah, swim before and seen me in tricky spot before because there's kind of a, a little YouTube video that people can find of just uh, if you Google Jim Walmsley swimming Western State, something like that, you'll see where I kind of get swept down. And I think they've altered the rules now at Western States. You have to hang on to the rope because I had heard that Rob Carr like actually swam across and people are like, oh, it's the fastest I've seen anyone get across the river. And in 2016, I was definitely trying to just go as hard as I could and get super fast time. And um, yeah, so I, I ended up trying to swim across. And before I knew it, I was getting swept down by the current. Um, no, I kind of found the, the no, life jacket really sweeps you down a bit, too, is my opinion on that. But on the Grand Canyon, you don't really want to go down that far, do you? So you alluded to psych yourself up for the swim across. So that means yeah. you get down to the river, and you did this in December. You did this on December 12th. And you're looking across that river, and what are you guys thinking? It's a lot bigger um, than the American River. Uh, I think it's probably four to ten times bigger than the American River as far as cubic feet per second um, flow rate. The, the main part is kind of figuring out a place that you're comfortable crossing with because you have the Bass Rapids that you can see down there. And originally... Um, we were going to do this a week earlier. And I think I ran into you at the running event and told you we were going to do it on a Tuesday and temperatures. We originally, we originally wanted to camp out the night before, but temperatures ended up just dropping, um, around the state. So you're at an elevation at the South rim at like 6,700 feet. So just the nights get really cold and we weren't up for camping in single digits or, uh, in the teens sort of thing. So, we decided that we still wanted to go check it out. It'd been a route that I've never seen. So there's only so many routes in the Grand Canyon that go from rim to river and the Bass Trail being probably the most Western one on the South Rim in kind of the beginning of the, the classic Grand Canyon uh, and especially like the park area. Uh, it's like the westernmost side. So it was ended up kind of being a scouting trip and we brought all of our stuff down. We were going to practice swimming across and back and just kind of get a feel for it. And basically we got down there, um, for our scouting trip, which was supposed to be the, the day. And we just stood and looked at the river for probably 30 minutes. And it was just like, well, someone's got to go first and this and that. And, uh, more or less it ended up being, uh, well, let's just not make this into a, a crappy day and get super cold. Let's just pack it up. And we'll, we, we know what we're dealing with right now. And the interesting part is we were actually looking at a part of the river that was um, upstream of the Bass Rapids. And the trickiest part about that is if you don't get across, you are taking a ride. <laughs> um, so that was in retrospect, a really good call not to try to cross there. I think it could have been really bad. And we went back and we talked with more people in Flagstaff and we went back and looked at your data and pictures and stuff. And it's just like, I think I actually got outvoted on the practice day. Um, 
Tim was like adamant that that would be the spot. And then Eric was like, Oh, Chris Thornley said, go super far. Right. Because that that's the best spot to hit. And I'm just looking at it like, that's right above the rapids. Like you're kidding. And, um, I I'm glad we at least thought about it and we decided to cross downstream from the bass rapids. And then you have probably a quarter mile at least, uh, before the Shinuma Rapids. And that one gets trickier because even if you go for a ride through those rapids, now you're in some box canyons that's extremely hard to get out of. So yeah, you, you definitely need to get across the river. Um, and kind of once we did it the first time, uh, Chris talked to me into, or I guess on the 12th when we actually went for it, um, my idea was just, I'm going to get down there. I'm going to change and I'm just going to go. So right now I'm not even sure if there's any footage or pictures of me crossing the first time. Cause I just took off and I swam across and more or less, my idea was just, I want to set the tone and like, we're not, we're, we're here to do it. We're not here to chicken out and we're, we're going to kind of really take that mentality, um, as doing it. But Chris Thornley was really adamant about hit like kind of the tail of, the Bass Rapids and use that to kind of propel yourself onto the beach. And, uh, I definitely got a little more ride of a ride than I was looking for while doing that. Um, and kind of got thrashed around by the rapids a little bit. Well, but, Jim, um, Jim, I think you're identifying for the listeners what they might be in for. I think, uh, Jamil yeah. commented later, I think this is going to take off now, but people listening to this might be having second thoughts about that. You've described it real well. You get down there, you're, you're alone. There isn't a ranger standing over your shoulder. No. There isn't an aid station on the other side. So if you get into trouble, it's all up to you. It's a, it's a very real situation. Um, and I think going down there to scout it out really put that, in context better than anything else um and getting our eyes on the river and actually contemplating swimming across the river it ended up going a lot better than i think we thought it would and i know when the first time crossing we were just all pumped with adrenaline the other guys swam down a little bit to avoid some of the fastest moving water uh, that i hit and kind of went around it and still made it across pretty well but on the way back um we decided we were going to go further downstream from the rapids and the swim back was uh, much less eventful and went really smoothly. So I feel like now we have the spot of definitely where we would like to cross and lots of confidence to swim it if we ever want to do it again. Uh, but yeah, kind of learning where to cross and making that decision um, was a bit interesting. and uh, Well, that's classic FKT action. Obviously, yeah. you're a top ultra runner. You know, this country, UTMB, then FKTs are a different game. When you and I talked in person at the running event, we had a great conversation, and I noted, yeah, you got to hit the crossing. <laughs> because like you said, yeah. if you go down, you it's going to get interesting down there. That water is cold, and of course, this time of year, the air is cold. And you can't always get out. Yeah. And I had friends kind of throwing out the, well, what if one of you guys get swept down? And I'm like, well, it's not really an option. If you get in the river, you got to make it across. Because even if someone starts to get swept down, even as a bystander watching your friend get swept, it's not a lot you can do until they cling on to some sort of wall and you can find them that way. But 
it can turn into an extremely real situation. What we did um, and ended up being <clears throat> the best call that we did was uh, we bought these little Amazon dry bag uh, personal flotation devices. So kind of decided our shoes took up too much room in it. We wanted the bag to have a little more buoyancy, but it's this uh, 20 liter to 30 liter bag rolls up as a dry bag. You can stuff your gear that you need on the north side. And we put everything in there and then there's a little leash that connects to your waist. But that was huge because whether you got tired or whether you hit a slow part of the river, we could grab that and just kick over. And uh, that ended up being probably the best thing that we took down there um, was just something that floated like that. It kind of acted as like a bit of a floaty paddle board. Um, and that was a brilliant uh, uh, addition, Jim. If I ever yeah, do it, it again, it was cheap on Amazon and definitely that, worth it. That's how it works, isn't it? We build upon each other. I would love yeah. to have had that when we swam across. That was a good idea. And just a little context here. So your time on rim to rim to rim is sub six hours, and this one is a little over twelve hours, and it's the ex almost the exact same elevation profile, distance, and vert. And like you say, the trail's harder and a little uh, harder to find, and you have to prep for two swims. So otherwise, what do you think? I mean, would you recommend this to other people, or how are you seeing this? Um, I would say it depends on your background and your skill level. I think coming in as a good ultra runner, um, you definitely have a leg up as far as the fitness side of it, but it's definitely – one of the more remote long runs I've ever done. And with that, you need uh, backcountry skills. And then in addition, just like when you've done it, you've done it with other people. Having a buddy or a couple buddies to do this route, I, I can't recommend that more um, as far as just you have someone to troubleshoot and help in bad situations. And we felt this was a complete success mainly because no one got hurt no one got lost no one got swept downstream and all three of us made it and for us like as a whole day i think that's kind of the biggest takeaway that made this a this a success oh jim that's perfect isn't it and in a race you're going for time you're going for place but something like this you walked out of there. I mean, you you did well. Yeah. Everyone made it. Everyone had a good time. Jamil's photos are excellent. That's a great attitude to have. Yeah, it ended up being, uh, I think, all of our probably favorite day in the canyon so far. And we've all spent a lot of time in the canyon. And it, this was just a really rewarding uh, trip. And then kind of also because I've spent a lot of time on the, the Rainbow Rim Trail on the north side, too, and hitting swamp point and then seeing the espinade past Muav saddle was just complete blew my mind as far as like all of a sudden you hit this saddle on the north side and you realize the canyon just doubled in size of a side that you thought was the top but it was just a little saddle in the canyon and there, there were things of like how we were able to visualize the canyon that just altered and changed from this experience that took a huge uh, appreciation for us. And then the whole route is so historic that when we're, we're kind of researching more and more and 
from figuring out the drive out there, which we, we thought the drive out there was going to be what ended it for us to be able to do it this year, because there's just all these like terrible stories of people getting stuck out there. I think it's mainly the monsoon season from my understanding now is when it rains that road out there, the mud just gets uh, legendarily bad. Um, but we, we went out there and it was dry and it was like, Oh, this, this is nothing. So there's, there's all sorts of things. And then learning about, uh, William Bass, his camps, how he took a cable car across the tourism industry. He was running around 1900. I mean, even 1880, he started building that trail, um, kind of adding on to it, learning about like the Havasupai land that you drive through to get there. But then also like, they just know as a people that there's this hidden spring here, there's springs over here, and they know so many more secrets of the canyon than what what we could even fathom. And then we start telling this story to people in Flagstaff. And since we're nearby enough, um, we just hear about, especially like the river uh, river rats or river guides that are just spending months down there. Uh, I may say so. This is a terrific aspect of FKTs that you really got into it. You had to learn the route. You had to learn a little bit about the history in order to make it work. And that adds to the experience terrifically. As you said, William Bass, and then there's the hermit that the hermit trail is named after. And those people make us look like lightweights, don't they? They're way more hardcore than what we're doing. Exactly. And um, just noticing, like, as far as the Grand Canyon is concerned, we're still just in the tip of the iceberg of what's possible there um, and just the routes and exploration. And I think um, as ultra runners that are so close to it, I think uh, this is definitely an area where I think it's sparking a new inspiration that we want to continue to follow and um, try to do new routes or uh, routes that other ultra runners have done in there. like Joe Grant and Scott Jerk did the Tonto Trail. Uh, we kind of joke about the Tonto Trail because it's hard to follow and not the best trail, but uh, it is an established one in there, and uh, it'd be kind of interesting to start knocking that out. But I think immediately, I think uh, the, the Rim to River trails are really um, trying to get on all of those ones right now, I think is my first goal. The Tonto you can get 100 miles out of if you start all the way – to the west and go to the east. And in terms of rim to river, I might note the little Colorado is really good. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a good time of, I've heard like if it hasn't rained within 10 days, that's when the little Colorado or maybe not little Colorado, I'm thinking of maybe little Cottonwood uh, way east. Uh, it turns like a spectacular blue color. Um, okay. No, that, that is a little Colorado. It's Aquaman. Okay. Okay. And that's the famous the location of a physical Sipapu, uh, the Hopi place of emergence, is literally down in the Little Colorado at the eastern end of the canyon. And at the western end, there's a Royal Arch Loop, which mm-hmm. also is uh, rimmed a river. So good for you. It sounds like the, if I may say so, the Coconino Cowboys are going to be going back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh, we we like the fact that we get to train there, but... Again, it goes to we're just now starting to learn what we don't know about it. And there's so much more to the canyon. And, um, yeah, the whole thing's been just a a really great learning process for us. 
I almost don't need to ask my next question since you've already answered it, but we note that top racers such as yourself are migrating to FKTs partially because it expands your skill set. At a race, you know, it's something of a cardiovascular test. While you do something like this, you have to have your gear, your logistics, your weather, your route finding. So my guess is you're going to be mixing it up next year. You're registered for Western States 2019 and a couple other races, but it sounds like you're going to be trying for some other FKTs as well. Yeah, I don't have any on <clears throat> on the plate as far as like planning out yet, but um, the nice part about FKTs is there is no set date you have to do it. You get to pick the date. So it's when you kind of find the time, you can be like, hey, this actually kind of lines up and you can do things a little short notice. So uh, I think that's pretty cool about it too. You don't have to do it any set time, but especially in the canyon, uh, the time of year definitely has its own challenges. Uh, I wouldn't suggest doing many of these routes uh, in the summer. Um, just the water requirement would be insane. Um, and right. then we, our experience is generally the cooler the temperatures, the, the better the running in the canyon. Um, because the bottom, there's generally about a 25 degree difference between the rim to the river. Uh, and when you're climbing out, temperature is kind of king of uh, when, yeah, just a, a cold day is way better than a, a moderate day. And by a cold day, I mean, like, even if it's 40 or 50 at the bottom, that's going to be a fast climb out. And it could be at 20 at the top and snowing, but it's still going to be fast compared to maybe 80 at the bottom and 55 and sunny and perfect at the top. It's actually going to be faster just on a cold day because the, the water requirements and stuff are just a lot less. Extremely sharp comment, Jim. And experienced Canyon people have known that for decades. You go there in the summer and it's just packed and you're looking around going, wow, you really don't want to do this right now. And yeah. you go there in February and the conditions are excellent and there you have the place to yourself. Yeah. And I guess the main thing for us, yeah, De December is a great time to try to do uh, something new like this in the canyon because the majority of the time that we were in the canyon uh, was just great w running weather. Um, I think doing it in a hotter time of year, you'd have to stop more to filter your water or to you'd have to have greater water carrying capacity. Um, I think we kind of joke between my friends that I drink like a fourth of the water of a normal person. Tim drinks about half the water of a normal person. And then everybody else is kind of held to the law of like, you got to bring a lot of water. Um, but I drank about, uh, I think 40 ounces from like North of the river. So it's like an extremely little amount, but yes. we're also carrying water filters and stuff. And Eric and Tim stopped to filter a couple times, but it's just one of those things I, I like kind of dabbling with. Well, I want to congratulate the three of you. We're interviewing you. Thank you. But, you know, Tim and Eric obviously were right there as well. It'd be hard to interview three people at the same time. So <laughs> my apologies and respect to Tim and Eric. And thanks for the heads up. Thanks for that excellent advice. And uh, the cool weather running in the canyon works better. And uh, you have a few more things on the plate for next year. So maybe we can have you back on the podcast uh, next fall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully 
figure out an FKT to do, but uh, next year kind of starts off with a half marathon in Houston. So this is kind of thrown in probably as close to that as I could go, um, which is kind of why we ended up deciding trying to do it still. Um, You'll have plenty of endurance for the half marathon. (laughs) Well, yeah, but it's a leg speed thing that gets me. So we'll see. Great. Well, Jim, thanks so much for taking the time and uh, congratulations again. And thanks for your perspective on the Grand Canyon. Yeah, thanks so much for inspiring us. I think uh, we we owe a lot to you and kind of tip our hat to your imagination and vision of this route because we we definitely didn't make it up. And uh, we, we really appreciated the challenge. And I think it'll be really cool to see how this FKT route blossoms from here. Thanks, Jim. I hope you've gotten some good ideas for your next big run. Subscribe to this podcast so you can find out what's cool every week. It will be delivered to you each Friday. And definitely go to fastestknowntime.com to read the notes from this show and ask questions or make comments on what you've heard today. There are FKTs being reported daily that are incredible, but you maybe have never heard of them. So stay up on what is happening on this website and follow us on Twitter, the Gram, and Facebook. Many people have thanked us for this work, and you can too by clicking support this site at the bottom of the webpage. Tune in next Friday. It's going to be fast and good.